the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, and here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? I'm doing very, very well. I just wanted to, at the open of the show here, also send out our our concern and love for President Trump, who is currently hospitalized out of an abundance of caution right now this morning. So thoughts are out to him and his family. Yes, absolutely, and everybody who has come come oh down goodness. with COVID, yes. with, without a doubt, you know, hopefully one day we'll get this whole thing behind us and and get back to some more normality around the globe, you know. But our our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone for sure, as as you know, and the Bible talks about praying for our leaders and praying for our country amen, too, amen, yep. you know. And that's that's all world leaders and and everybody, you know, should everybody come to, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So with with without a doubt. So. Hey, I'd like to uh, you know start to show off each week with what's happened in the markets, the economy, and and again it's Saturday, which is open mic Saturday. Absolutely love the subject matter, which is up to you. You know, give us a ring with any of your financial planning, retirement, estate planning questions at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Today we've got a special guest in the studio, Mary Hayes Lawrence. She's a uh, just a, a fabulous estate planning attorney we're going to bring her on after the first break this morning and uh, just load it up with questions on estate planning you know today we're going to try and just unpack the whole world of wills and trusts and probate and today's your great opportunity to ask all the hard questions mary's got a great skill of taking these very complicated matters in estate planning and breaking them down so that people so that everybody can just basically understand them she's going to tell you all the things that you know kind of behind the green curtain about estate planning today so looking forward to bringing her on in a, sh- in a few minutes yeah, google's know. that google's got nothing on mary man she had all the answers that's for sure that's exactly right <laughs> that's 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 for sure so you know this past week the markets were all over the place basically the markets are really looking for um <clears throat> you know clarity of direction when it comes to a few things one is the election and now with president trump um uh, having covid you know, the markets got a little jittery yesterday. The markets opened up 400 and some points down, but then closed. You know, the market actually, the Dow actually came back to positive a little bit yesterday, but ended up closing a little down over a little hundred, just over 100 points or so. So the market does not like uh, uncertainty, that's for sure. And there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now with, with the election that's, that's going to be happening. And at the same time, 
with this next stimulus package. You know, it looks like Republicans and Democrats are trying to get together right now to put forth their next stimulus package. They're a lot closer than they were a couple of weeks ago, but they're still a little, you know, a little apart on, on certain issues. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with all of that. And, and, you know, and, and as well as the Fed is standing in, in behind the scenes. So, you know, this is part of the investing world. The markets are always looking for reasons to continue to climb up and expand or to pull back and, and uh, uh, contract a little bit. So make sure your portfolios are designed, uh, you know, to withstand volatility and, and, and things of that nature there. You know, the bottom line is I was speaking with some clients the other day, and they were asking me, you know, do you think we're ever going to recover? And I said, you know, that's a great question. What's the definition of recovering? What do you mean? Do you mean that the markets get back to its all-time high? Well, let me tell you, over the last 10 years, we've hit, you know, hundreds and hundreds of highs, right, in the market. As the market goes up and touches a new high, and it comes back a couple of days, and it touches another new high. Is that what you're talking about? And they were like, yeah. I said, you know, that, that's just every day. That's just market movement. That's not the big issue. The bigger issue is when are we going to get back to organic growth of jobs and wages in the economy? You know, the last three years, we've had tremendous job growth and tremendous wage growth as well uh, all across the spectrum. And, and that's what, what I think is, is going to deem, hey, we're back at, at, at full recovery. And, and the markets are really looking to the second half of 2021 right now for that. That's what the markets are trading on right now. We're going to start seeing earnings come out. You know, it's the beginning of the fourth quarter right now. So over the next eight or nine weeks, we're going to start seeing more and more corporate earnings coming out, looking at the third quarter as well as our first pass here pretty soon of GDP in the third quarter. And it's estimated to be a big snapback around 22%, 23%, which is huge. And then either another 5% in the fourth quarter and another 5% in the first quarter next year. So we're looking at the economy coming back, okay, and, and, and jobs will follow. About there's almost half of everybody who's been unemployed as a result of COVID-19 is back working again. They might not be in their same job or making the same wage, but at least they're, they're, they're back working. So we're starting to see the healing of all of this. And the question becomes, you know, what about a second wave, another shutdown, all that kind of stuff? breeds uncertainty and the markets don't like that you know Europe was talking about shutting back down uh, about last week sometime in certain areas certain certain uh, uh, businesses and things of that nature however there's some reports out this week that they feel that they've peaked in the second wave uh, over there so we'll have to wait and see with it all but you know a lot of uncertainty makes you really want to dive down into your investments make sure you know what you own Make sure your portfolio can withstand a little bit of volatility uh, with it all. You can go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and click on the video right there on the front screen right there, and it demonstrates. It's about 90 seconds long, and it demonstrates how a financial plan looks and works and, and is what you should be doing, pulling in all of your different investments and assets and liabilities into one simple-to-see uh, uh, place so that you can pay, so that you can find out if you're on pace for whatever your goals are and things of that nature there. So and while you're there, visit, visit again, visit the website, LarryRosenthal.com. Sign up for our newsletter. It's free. We want to be an educational source for you. Like us and follow us on Facebook as well. One thing you can also uh, pass out there, Larry, is that uh, um, LarryRosenthal.tv, www.LarryRosenthal.tv, will take you to the YouTube channel this morning as well. So you can use that um, to watch us. 
We're kind That's of true. We're streaming, yeah. And if you'd yeah. like to watch us on YouTube, and of course the phone number is 855-767-3123 if you'd like to dial in this morning. Sure, absolutely. So, Chris, I see we've got to take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to bring on Mary, uh, Mary Lawrence, uh, state, state planning attorney. And feel free to give us questions uh, on wills, trust, probate, uh, special needs trust, anything that's on your mind today. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. It's 2020, and there are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Now nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea, call now. 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. To ask any questions here this morning of Larry Rosenthal, your financial and retirement expert here in studio. Larry. As I mentioned, I want to bring Mary on right now. Mary Hayes Lawrence is just, well, she's a very good estate planning attorney. I've used her for my own documents and wills and trust and things. And I, th- I, th- I was thinking, you know, I want to go ahead and bring her into the studio and just try and give some education. You know, a lot of times we've done estate planning seminars as well as webinars. Many people have attended those, you know, our webinars all across the country now this this past year. And we did did a whole section on estate planning. Now, just, you know, it, to, to me, it's it's very interesting. You know, when I when I talk to somebody in the, you know, Wall Street slang and I start talking about long and short and puts and calls and just whatever it may be, people are like, what are you saying, you know? And then I, you know, break it down into normal English. Wall Street's got its whole second language, right? So does estate planning. Estate planning has its second language as well. You know, you, you, you picture, you know, in the movies, you're going in, you're talking to the attorney in the, in, the, in, the, in the cherry cabinet room and all this kind of stuff. And it's all, 
intimidating and things like that. And I used to be so intimidated when it came to estate planning and the subject of trust and wills and all of that. Big stuff, and leather chairs with buttons on them is what I remember. That's that. right, Chris. That's exactly right. And, and, and that's one of the skills that Mary has is really taking that complicated issue of, of family financial and estate planning and breaking it down very easy into basic blocking and tackling for a lot of people. So, so Mary, welcome to the show this morning. I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, I, 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 I've just got a quick question for you. Just from an overall standpoint, you know, just give us in your own words here, you know, the purpose of estate planning. Why do people want to do estate planning? Morning. Nice to see you again, Larry. Where the reason we, we people need to do estate planning is they need to give instructions on how their assets and are going to be managed if they become incapacitated, how their and how their assets are going to be distributed when they die. It's one thing we can't avoid. We're going to all pass to another world. So we you really want to have a plan. We spend your, our lives putting together our financial plan to make sure we're secure in our retirement years and during our life. You don't want to drop the ball at the end. You want to have a plan in place. And that's what estate planning is. It doesn't mean 100 acres in, out in the countryside with barns and horses. It means whatever you have it, at the time of your death, it's, you have a plan for where you want it to go. And, you know, Mary, that, you, that brings up a great point. You, 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 you hit on something that, that you've got to be able to plan. So estate planning covers both while you're alive and when you pass. And, and that's where a lot of people – I, I see when I'm doing financial plans for people is they don't have some of the basic tools in estate planning, you know, uh, like, a, like a basic simple will or, or their beneficiary forms filled out correctly. And sometimes things end up going through probate. And, and let's just break down probate real quick and, and give an explanation of, of what is probate, what's the purpose of probate, how can people avoid probate, because you hear all these nightmares about probate. Probate is a type of court process. Generally, most areas use an administrative clerk's office, and it's, it is set out, sets out rules for how a person can distribute assets. And it generally requires uh, – and the reason you need it is if you think about somebody – if you have an account, in order for it to be transferred to somebody else, if you're alive, you have to sign that over. If you're dead, you can't do that anymore. So that's where the probate court steps in. It has a whole set of steps. Some your administrator, executor, personal representative, all the same term, different terms for the same job. That person has to follow these steps in order to give the give the get the court approval to transfer assets of somebody who has died. So basically, that's the purpose for it to set up the process to transfer somebody's assets. So basically what, what you're saying is everything that somebody owns, whether it's a car, a house, a bank account, an investment account, has to have some means to transfer to a charity or an heir, right, when somebody passes. And, and, and so if they don't have that means set up either through joint ownership or beneficiary form, then the court steps in and sort of figures out how it's going to be distributed on their behalf. Is that correct? Correct. And the court sets up a lot of required accounting and reporting that you have to do before you can transfer it. That's the big rub. 
with probate. You can't go in to the clerk and say, hey, dad just died. I'm giving this money to my sibs, okay? No. You got to go in there. You got to file paperwork. You got to wait 30 days, file something else. Then you got to file something. It generally takes at least 18 months in most areas to get to the stage where you can really when you can transfer it. So if you can find other ways to get your assets transferred at your death, which we'll talk more about, that's the way to go to avoid the prolonged process of waiting. Wow, 18 months. Long time. <laughs> yeah, Carissa, you know, Minimum. it it, 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 it is. You, you've mm-hmm. got to tie it all up. And, and so think about this. Just by doing some very simple estate planning, just by – just by taking, and this is what we tell clients, Mary, we, we say, you know, listen, just get out a piece of paper and just start writing down your assets, okay, checking account, bank account, car, home, investments, 401ks, IRAs, whatever it is, and start writing names of people or charities that you want to go there and start drawing lines. And then we need to take a look at how these assets are titled and whether or not their beneficiary forms are filled out correctly or it's going to drop into a will. And Well, even a will has to go through probate or joint titles or whatever it may be. But it seems to me that with some very simple upfront work, you can save your family and heirs a tremendous amount of cost and hassle and, and, and uh, maybe even pain. arguments on the other side yeah. uh, with, with, with it all. So um, probate is definitely something that, that, that people need to understand how to avoid is what you're saying, Mary, right? Have you, have you seen any situations where, where just, you know, people made some mistakes and gone through the probate process? Oh, mistakes are my life. That's why I have a practice because a lot of times things slip through the cracks. And I want to make the point that pick up on what you just said, Larry, about wills. A lot of people think if they have a will, they're good. They don't have to go through this process. That is not true. A will is the instructions to the court. A will makes it easier to go through the process, but it doesn't avoid the court. The whole purpose for a will is to tell the court what you want to make sure the court enforces that. So that is a misconception by a lot of people that if they have a will, they're good. No, you're you're good because it ends up with your wishes being honored, but it doesn't avoid the process, whatever that process happens to be in your state. Things like that. Beneficiary designations, joint ownership, pay on death designations, those kinds of designations and a living trust, of course, are the kind of instruments that do not require that asset, that bank account to go through the courts because you've configured the beneficiary, which it goes to immediately, generally, upon your death. Right. So basically anything that's in a will, whether the will's deemed valid or invalid, is going to go through the court's probate distribution process. So we've got to make sure that people have their forms filled out correctly, Correct. the beneficiary forms or their ownership forms or whatever it may be to avoid that probate and easily transfer assets over to somebody. You know, so what, what really happens? What's the process here um, for somebody to, to say, you know, where do I start? How do I go about starting to figure out my basic needs in estate planning? What would you suggest that they do the first thing? Well, I think what you suggested is a good idea. What what kind of assets do I have? That's question number one. A complete list, because so often people have part of their assets taken care of, but they forgot about savings bonds that they got when they had their 
first communion or they forgot about they had a boat sitting in a river somewhere anything you have you have to be able to direct that's number one number two where do you want it to go how who do you want to have it are these your young kids well then there are rules that govern minor children are they young adults that aren't very responsible how are you going to have it managed until they reach the age where you hope they are mature are they siblings are there some siblings and not other siblings you got to identify who you want it to go to that's critical and then you have to plan to figure out how you're going to get those assets there in the most expeditious way fastest way possible after your death Hey, Mary, let's go ahead and bring Terry on from Georgia. We've got a a question here for you. Uh, Good morning, Terry. How can we help you? Yes, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Um, How can we help you? Well, I do have a question about probate. If if there's a piece of property that has an existing mortgage, the person who's deeded, the, the property that the person is deeded to has passed, his wife has had a major medical incident so she has uh been recovering from that um how does that complicate probate if she's unable to assign power of attorney it's she's not listed as a joint survivor on a will um what will happen with that property Well, I can take that one, Larry. So, hi, Terry. Nice to hear from you. Hi. Good morning. It sounds like the concern is you have a debt on a property. Good morning. And the debt is uh, not being paid, but the wife is not a borrower on that debt. So the question is, who is the borrower on the mortgage? That is the person who's obligated generally under that mortgage debt. So if the person who died left the property to the now ill person but the mortgage is not does generally does not transfer to that person so therefore any other asset that deceased person left is responsible to pay off that debt generally does that make sense so so i'm sorry cut out just a little bit on that last sentence so any other person that what did you say so typically the debt does not transfer to the person who inherits the property. The borrower is responsible for the debt. So if the borrower died but the, and the property transfers to somebody else, generally the other asset that the deceased person has is responsible for paying off that debt. Okay, so it would go into foreclosure more, most likely? Sounds like it if there are no other assets. Yeah, there aren't, and we actually have an interest in purchasing the property, but we're hesitant to get tangled up into a long, drawn-out foreclosure process, and the property is deeded to my deceased uncle. So, you know, it just, it seems like a big mess. (laughs) Well, you might want to contact the bank and tell them you're interested in buying the property. A lot of banks don't want to be stuck with the foreclosure. They would rather do a short sale and, and possibly issue a deficiency judgment, which would be on the remaining assets, if any. So you, you might be able to negotiate with the bank before they move to foreclosure. Okay. All right. 
I have sent a couple of letters but haven't heard anything. So I guess they're just, you know, waiting out the COVID crisis and waiting out, um, trying to get to a, to a time when they can, you know, move forward. Uh, but I'm hoping they will reach out to me. I'd use the phone, Terry. I wouldn't wait for letters. Letters, who knows where letters are ending up these days when they get mailed and whose desk they might be sitting yeah. on with a person working remotely. Yeah, I'd call. Well, try I to get a hold of the Yeah, I can't get through to an actual more. person. It's an automated system, so I haven't been able to actually oh. speak to anyone. I don't I don't know how to do that. Try I Terry, just scream try, agent, try. agent, agent, until somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Agent, get an agent, agent, agent. Okay. Operator. All right. Well, thank you. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely, Terry. Appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Go check out Mary's website at mhlawrence.com. That's mhlawrence.com. She is the Zoom attorney this year in 2020. I know that you've been doing a lot of estate planning work with people via Zoom, Mary. Uh, how's that working out? It works out great because people don't have to leave their house. We have a meeting where we can see each other, talk about the issues. I think the clients are very comfortable with it. We have a portal that I can get the information I need before the meeting, so I'm prepared. I, I think it's the way to go, especially during these times. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, don't be intimidated. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. You know, estate planning is very, very important. And, and it's it's amazing to me how many, you know, people come into the office, you know, doing financial planning. And as part of our financial planning package, Mary, and looking at, you know, the three phases of, of, of planning, you know, the accumulation phase, the distribution phase, and then the legacy phase, you know, passing assets on to heirs and or charities. We see all the time that people people don't have their beneficiary forms filled out. They don't have a will. They don't have a trust, and 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 things like that. You know, let's let's talk about you know the the intimidating word of trust. What's the purpose of a simple you know garden variety revocable living trust? Let's break this down and and let people understand. You know, it's not the wealthy that need this type of a trust, but it's basically every day you know, one, two, three Main Street in, in most towns that need these types of trusts. So go ahead and expa expand a little bit on how a revocable living trust works, the purpose of it, and why somebody may need it or not. The trust is designed to set up a bucket so that you, during your lifetime, transfer your assets into that bucket. And you continue to control the assets you're you're the creator of the trust you're the trustee meaning you can you decide how to manage the money you're the beneficiary it's only for you doesn't generate any different taxes but the big difference is if if you die you've already taken your assets and put them in a bucket so they can be transferred easily they're not in your name legally even though every other way they seem that you're they're still owned and controlled by you but they're titled to a, a different bucket so that whoever you designate in the document to succeed you, similar to an executor, but referred to in the document as the trustee, that person can step in immediately, pay your bills, and distribute your assets. They don't have to be tied up in all the reporting and accounting requirements that the court imposes. So that's the reason for many, many people a trust is a very good vehicle. The key, and we're 
is that you got to transfer those assets into that bucket. That means you have to go back to your financial advisor, change the name on your accounts. You have to go in and change the name on your bank accounts. A lot of people are misunderstand that. They think, okay, I've got my trust. I'm good. You're not good until you fill the bucket. You got to put your accounts in the name of that bucket so that if you die or become incapacitated, somebody can step in and take care of things for you. It's and that's critical. what you, and you don't have to have a billion dollars for that. And that's what you call funding the trust, actually changing the name or the changing the title instead of it being Larry's investment account. Now it's Larry's investment account inside his trust. That's what you're talking about is you've got to change the title so the trust actually owns it. You know, we see a lot of questions pop up with real estate, Mary. You know, people got their beneficiary forms. They have their investment accounts sitting in trust and things like that. But then husband and wife owns a home jointly. Then the surviving spouse still owns that home in just his or her name. Talk a little bit about that. What about that house? Is that house really going to go through probate if they don't change the ownership or, 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 or title it differently? Let's, let's talk about that. But before we do that, though, I want to go ahead and bring on Debbie from Maryland. Good morning, Debbie. How can we help you today? Yeah, um, I just have a quick question. Um, my daughter, um, last month, she's 34, she passed away, and um, she had a car that I was a co-signer on. Um, how, what do I do about, can I get around that or am I, I mean, obviously there's a balance on it. Um, am I still responsible for that balance? Well, Debbie, I'm very sorry to hear about your daughter. Um, Mary, maybe you have some ideas. Yeah, yeah, that's. Debbie, to be clear, I assume the title to the car had both names or just your daughter's name? No, both of us. So you own the car, and therefore you are responsible, especially as a co-signer on the loan, you are responsible for the loan. If it's a car you don't uh-huh. need, you could obviously try to sell it. If you can't satisfy the loan, you might want to talk to the dealership and see if they would work something out with you. But if you co-own the car and you co-sign the loan, you are responsible, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I'm very sorry. I'm sure that's nothing you ever intended to come about. Yeah. Um, so the dealership or the bank, why would the, I mean. Well, I was, I was assuming the loan was through the dealership, but if, the, if you went no. to a separate lender, you do have to talk to the lender about that. Huh. Did your daughter have assets? Did she have retirement accounts like that? No, no, no. No. no going to suggest you could use some other assets to possibly pay off the deficiency. I'm sorry, no. that's not a good situation to be in. Yeah, unfortunately, Austin left three small children. My grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to go through this. Do you think these things just get a handle on them? Mm-hmm. Good luck, Debbie. Okay. Okay, well, thank you. Absolutely, Debbie. Appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Larry Rosenthal's show. We're going to take a quick break here, but keep the phone open. Uh, give us a ring for financial planning, investment questions. We've got Mary Hayes Lawrence on the line today, an estate planning attorney. She's ready to answer 
difficult and easy question regarding estate planning the whole arena it's a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401K plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives. seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and the Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Thanks for dialing in today. If you'd like to dial, it's 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal and Mary Lawrence, who's in studio here today with us. Larry, Appreciate you calling in, 855-767-3123. Yep, absolutely. You know, we've got Mary Lawrence here with us today, estate planning attorney, renowned, I guess you would call it, uh, caller, definitely, uh, with, with, without a doubt. We were just talking about, you know, what happens to that house, Mary, when, when you know, husband and wife are, are there and, and one passes away, then the house is left inside that one surviving spouse's name. Um, a lot of times the, in, in the will, what we've seen is the house says, well, it's going to go to the kids and they're going to divide it up and all that kind of stuff. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I know that, that we've seen that, those issues many, many times. Uh, well, real estate's an asset, obviously. So if you have it it's something in, in your own name when you die, then that has to go through whatever state's probate process is. If it's a if it's a will, will has to be registered. There has to be paperwork signed, and so it's very easy to if you have to do a living trust. If you have the living trust, it's very easy to transfer the property into the trust. A lot of people are intimidated by that. They think it's going to be like a closing, a million pages and five thousand dollars. In Every state I'm aware of, it is a non-taxable transfer. It's under 500 bucks. It's called a deed of gift. You transfer it in. It's easy to do. So that's one thing you don't want to overlook, particularly if it's a house that the family enjoys. That's an area of a lot of disputes for families, the beach house, the cabin. So many times clients will say, oh, they'll work it out. Let me tell you, they don't work it out. You have to figure out before you die how it's going to work and talk to your kids about it. 
and come up with some money if you expect the kids to maintain the house unless there's some revenue stream. There's a lot of complexities that come along with second homes and it really can create a lot of conflict. But don't leave it outside your trust because you're worried that it's going to be too expensive to put in there. It isn't. So it sounds like to me that that a little bit of work, it's almost like changing your oil. You know, you take a little bit of time, you pay a little bit of money, you change your oil, and your car is good to go for a long time to come. But if you neglect it, well, then there becomes a big problem when the engine blows up. And that's kind of like what estate planning is almost from the way I'm looking at it here is if we take a little bit of time and, <laughs> and, and do, the, do the work up front and, and it doesn't cost a lot, it saves family and heirs a tremendous headache and, and from what I'm seeing, uh, a, a lot of expenses as well. So we've got some callers on the line. We've got three people on the line, Mayor. I want to go ahead and bring Teresa on from Virginia. Good morning, Teresa. How are you today? Good, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Um, just let me try to make it uh, real brief. So my son's father passed away uh, five years ago while he was still working for the state, and this is Virginia, if laws apply, certain laws. Um, so my son was a minor. We left the pension in the retirement account until he turned actually 19, and then he decided he wanted to uh, pull it out and invest it. And based on talking to the state and the papers they gave us, he could take the lump sum and then he had 60 days um, to roll it over. And so he went ahead and did that based on some maybe some bad information from a financial planner as well, not from your company. And um, they went ahead and took out the taxes. And so now we, we kind of don't know what to do. We're going to try to call the state back next week. We did talk to one person who said, well, there's nothing we can do, but you can talk to a supervisor. So the issue is an inherited IRA was set up because he was the beneficiary. And now the financial planner is saying, well, this is going to be a problem because it's minus the tax, so we can't roll the whole amount in. So I don't know. I can't, we kind of don't know what to do from here. And is it going to be an issue for him with taxes at the end of the year, or can he put it in a Roth? We're kind of like, well, now what? Well, Terry, I'm sorry to hear about the loss here, definitely. But my, my question you. for you is this, is has the 60 days passed by? It has not. No. So we have a we we have a a a um, uh, you know what it, the the money's come out as a beneficiary IRA they 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 took the money out and gave him after tax money okay correct and they with they withheld the twenty percent I I would have to check to see if you can open up you're going to have to put the money back into the IRA the exact cent that was taken out. Um, you, you need to talk to yeah. the custodian. You know, I know there's people in my office that can guide this for you, and and um, I have had situations like this in the past. Some have worked out, some haven't. It depends on the origin of the money, and it depends on the 60-day rule and how that check was, was issued. So um, best thing I can do for you right here today, I'm going to put you on hold. I'll have Bob get some of your contact information, and we'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and okay. maybe give you some guidance on this, okay? Uh, because I it's all going to be it. whether or not the custodian allows the money to go back in. If not, then he's just going to have after-tax money, okay? Now, under under the, the new SECURE Act rules, he if, it is, if we can get it back into an inherited IRA, he's got to take the money out uh, at the end of 10 years anyway, okay? Um, right. But... And but it actually wasn't in an IRA. It was just sitting like I work for the county. You know, you put your retirement every month when you retire. Right. You can take the lump sum, pay tax. So it was just money. So he could have had the state roll it directly to the inherited IRA or taken the cash. 
Unfortunately, we thought we had 60 days to find a planner, give us the money, we'll roll it, but they took the taxes out first, and now we're like, great, now what? Yeah, the, the, I, I don't think it's going to end up working out that way, but, but whether the money is coming from a retirement plan or a pension, it's still underneath the same Secure Act qualified money rules, okay? So, so that doesn't matter. With the, I understand the origin of the dollars. I'm going to have somebody reach out to you next week and see if we can help you on this okay. a little bit, okay? I appreciate it. Can I maybe just on this real quick question? Is this somehow going to – he's 19, he's in college, he makes minimal a year because it's part-time. Is this going to harm him tax-wise? Can he just take the money now and put it in a Roth? Or is there something like, hey, you had he, to put this in an inherited IRA? He cannot put the money into a Roth. He can contribute to a Roth based off of his earned income. If he has a summer job and he makes six grand, he can put six grand in. If he has a summer job and he makes two grand, he can only put two grand in. But this is after-tax money that needs to be invested right now. Okay. So, so financial I, planner has given us so much bad information. He says, sure, get the money, put it in your account. Okay, don't worry about it now. We'll just put it all right into a Roth. Don't worry about the inherited IRA. Just so frustrating. It can't. No, no. It, the, it, 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 to qualify, there's only two ways you can get money into a Roth. And that is either to convert traditional IRA money over to a Roth or make a contribution into a Roth. And the contribution has to be based off of his earned income. Okay, So, so we've got four or five things that we need to break down and talk about, uh, okay. what his job is and, and things like that. And when did the money come right now? If it came in 2020, is there a way that we can get him working somewhere, doing something, cutting lawns, do, removing snow, whatever it may be, to get some earned income on his tax return in order to qualify to make contributions into a Roth? Uh, so, so we need to uh, – that's why I'm going to have somebody reach out to you next week. Okay. I'm going to put you on hold here real quick. Yep, Teresa, I'll put you on hold. Bob will get some contact information from me. We'll have somebody uh, reach out to you next week. Appreciate the phone call. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Alan on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Alan. How are you today? Good morning, uh, Larry. Rejoicing in God's goodness. Uh, my question is, um, does she approve of, like, Susie Orman? Because I just ordered a kit to make a will or a trust rather because i already have a will but i wanted to make a trust revocable trust to put my assets in to be able to uh, uh, make it easier upon my demise um, uh, and, and do i have to put like my vehicle my automobile my bank account and everything into a trust a name of a trust actually transfer those uh, to be able to put them into a trust. That would be my two questions. Well, Alan, I, I, you know, the, the way I would look at it here is, yeah, I, I, the way I would look at it here is a software program can only go so far. It can't really bounce back and ask these questions, and that's why I like the personal contact of a professional. So um, okay. you know, I'll let Mary go ahead and answer these questions for him. I would echo that. I think you have to be aware that a lot of these software programs don't, you don't know what you don't know. So you may end up plugging something in thinking it means one thing and it means something else. And there's no one there to explain it to you. So I would mm -hmm. not condone that approach to creating a trust. The p second part of your question, though, Alan, I think is critical for ever, all the listeners to understand generally. Do you need to retire all of your accounts into the trust? 
Vehicles mm -hmm. are often not retitled into a trust depending on the state because most states have a pretty streamlined process to retitle a vehicle without having to go to court after somebody dies. So that would maybe oh. the one exception. But the other thing I would caution you and the listeners about is if you're retitling your bank accounts into trust, typically a bank is going to change the account number. So you have to make, do not immediately close your existing account. If you have your pension, your social security, your, any other direct deposits into that account, because you don't want your money bouncing all over America. So keep your existing account open, open a new trust account and redirect your money into the new, new trust account before you close out your existing account. The same is true with automatic payments. If you do automatic bill paying, a lot of people don't realize when you change it to a trust account that changes the routing routing because the account number changes so that's going to interfere with automatic bill paying so uh i just want to caution you and about that but it is important to retitle your accounts and your other investments and house and other things except vehicles into your trust alan i'll tell you what we can do for you here i'll, I'll put you on hold if you like and bob will get your some basic contact info from you and we can have mary's team reach out to you next week and give you a little bit more detailed instruction on your situation okay oh wow thank you very much i appreciate Absol that appreciate absolutely you, sir and, absolutely and alan, great I, program well thank you very much i appreciate you listening uh, God bless. Let me put you on hold here real quick, and then we'll have someone uh, reach out to you uh, with some more information from what Mary was talking about next week. Appreciate the phone call. If you listen to Making Money Sense, give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Ken on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Ken. How are you today? Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Because I'm in Springfield, Mass. Oh, Springfield, Mass. Yeah. Okay. All right. Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. There we go. Mass. Mary will like that. She's she's from up there. Yeah. She's a Red Sox fan, you know. So that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. I thought it was Springfield, Virginia. Sorry about that. No, uh, even if you're not a Red Sox fan, you can't admit it up here. Okay. <laughs> uh, my question is, I'm I'm 77 years old, and I I'm I'm thinking about switching my will to a a trust, and my concern is, uh. When I die, will my mortgage, will my assets that I have, have to be put toward my mortgage? I'm, I want to give my uh, my thing to my daughter. So I I don't have a lot of assets, but I'm going to have mm -hmm. you know enough that will affect her. You know, on on our level, it's it's, it's uh, a lot. But so I just don't know if that's going to have to be used to pay off the mortgage, which. I don't really. She doesn't want the house. I don't care what happens uh, to it after I die. Well, typically, Alan, the uh, banks will give you a grace period to for the ex executor to sell the house. Mass I happen to know Massachusetts makes it a little difficult to sell a house in a will, so I'm glad you have a trust uh, because it can be easy for your daughter to sell the house. And typically the mortgage company will hold on until the house is sold before they're paid off. As long as she keeps okay. current on the payments until the house is sold, they don't go in and try to, uh, attach the other assets. If however, she doesn't sell the house, then they will probably make a claim to get paid. So I think you have to obviously explain to her, she's going to try to have to move to sell the house as soon as possible contact the bank, let them know it's going to be sold, and they usually hang out until 
the house is sold to get paid off before they go after anything okay. else. I don't have a trust yet, but I'm going to switch up and listen to you guys today. <laughs> so, okay, I see. Yeah, that, so, I think and, that's and, a good thing to do. Having been through the process of selling a house in, in Massachusetts through probate, it takes quite a while <laughs> to get it done. So I think a trust is a better okay. way to go. And I have one more question if you have time. I, my son-in-law, his name is on their mortgage. Will she automatically get that when he dies? Or should she get her name on the mortgage, too? You, you mean your daughter? Uh, does your daughter and son-in-law own a home jointly? Yeah, my my daughter and, and her husband. Her husband's name is on the mortgage. They were married when they bought it. Will she automatically get that mortgage in her name after he dies as a year? No, it's not not automatic. Banks will no banks will if she's not a borrower on the mortgage right now. Banks will evaluate whether she's a good credit risk, and if, if your son-in-law dies and probably require that she refinance a mortgage in, in order to be remain as a borrower. Because the banks aren't going to take a chance and just stick her name on the mortgage if your son-in-law dies. They're going to want to make sure she's a good credit risk. Got it. Okay. So I'll have to have her do that, take care of that. She, she can get her name added onto the mortgage. That would be the safest thing to do right now. Is that true? Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right, thanks a lot. I like your program. Thanks for your help. Appreciate it, Ken. Okay. If you, if Ken, Careful if you like, driving out there. <laughs> yep, Ken. If you like, we'll make the same offer to you. I can uh, have Bob get some of your information and and uh, uh, to to give a return phone call back to you next week, so somebody in Mary's office can help you a little bit more detailed if you need. Is that okay? Sure. Thank you. Yep. All right. Let me put you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Let's go ahead and welcome Donna on the line from Florida. Good morning, Donna. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. How can I help you? I have a quick question. Um, I'm 55 years old. I'm really behind the curve with my financial planning for retirement. And I just wanted um, just a little bit of direction. How can I aggressively approach starting a retirement plan? My retirement planning, I'm self-employed. Sure, Donna. The the whole thing's going to boil down to sort of a, a, a race against time. At some point in time, you're probably going to want to slow down working or not work anymore. And at that point, the math is going to have to work out on what are your monthly expenses versus what income is coming in through savings, investments, Social Security, part-time work, whatever it may be. That's what we have to break down. We have a financial planning toolkit that I'm going to send out to you that if you fill it out, okay. send it back, that's going to get us starting down that road, and then we'll be able to address the situation for you much clearer as to tell you how much you need to save, help you with your cash flow, things of that nature, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. Yep. Let me, let me put you on hold. Bob will get some information from you. We'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week to help you out with all of this. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Holly on the line from Nebraska. Good morning, Holly. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. How can we help you this morning? 
Okay, so I'll try to be as direct as possible. Um, I'm in a 19-year marriage, and it is our second marriage. So we both um, came into the marriage with some assets. My husband owns a successful business. Um, he is not interested in having a joint will. Um, he has his own will. My question, is, and I know that's a whole nother topic, but my question for you is, um, we are both on the mortgage. We do owe on it. It's a significant um, piece of property. If he would pass away before me, um, what, what do I do? Do I go and also get my own will? Or um, I know it might be kind of an odd situation, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a little worried about that. Well, Mary, you want to take this? I've got some financial planning answers for you. Uh, one, sure. Is I'll yeah. Uh, well, a couple of things. First, yeah, I'll take it, Larry. Uh, Holly, thanks for the call. It's a good question. Uh, it, I assume you and your husband own the property jointly. So, if your husband dies, if you own that property jointly, that property passes to you. It doesn't matter what his will says. It doesn't matter what his will oh. says. So, you would control mm -hmm. through your will where it goes. But the reverse is also true, which is if you die first and then the property passes to him, he's, his will is going to control. Uh, so that's one thing that you have to work, understand going in. Second of all, there, generally there are no joint wills. If you want a, a joint agreement on how things are going to go, back to my, my you know, soapbox here, a trust is the way to go. Because otherwise it's okay. the last standing person that controls where the assets go. The, Third thing I'm going to say, especially in your situation, since it's a second marriage, if you do not have a will, the state law will control what happens when you die. And the same would be true for your husband. And the, generally, most states divide assets. If it's a second marriage, their law requires that your assets divide between your spouse and your kids, if your kids come from a first marriage. That's one of the things you have to all, everyone has to understand out there. If you don't have a will, that doesn't mean there's a, a way that your assets are going to be divided by whatever the state decided you want, that not you want what they wanted. And second marriages are very complicated. There's an assumption that the first family gets some, sometimes two thirds and the spouse gets one third. So if you, even if your husband and you cannot agree now, I'd strongly recommend you put something in writing so that you you have a control over what happens to the assets if you die. Super helpful, thank you, Mary. I don't know if that helps you, Holly. Okay, Holly, good. let me just jump in here too as well. You know, one of the things too is you may want to look at the amount of life insurance both you and your husband have to protect the other. You know, if if uh, you get stuck with you know, stuck's a bad word, but if you end up with a with a with a mortgage payment that you can't afford or, or whatever, insurance can come in and help you combat some of that. Okay, um, if you like, I'll, I'll be happy to send you out our, our financial planning toolkit, and maybe we can give you some some assistance in that arena as well. Would that be okay? That would be excellent. Thank you. Yep. Thank you let both. Me, let me put you on hold real quick. Just one second, and Bob will reach. We'll get some information from you. You listen to Making Money Sense. We've got some callers still on the line, but uh, we've got to close out the show here. We'll stay in studio and answer your questions. We'll also continue to um, 
uh, stream on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. Visit Mary Lawrence's website, mhlawrence.com. You can reach her at 703-267-9666. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. For Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense.